Welcome to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. Prepare your heart for laughter and tears as we share the unpolished stories of the homeless and hurting, hope and transformation. Here is your host, director of the Union Gospel Mission, Pastor Tim Lane. Well, thank you so much for joining us once again. And I have back with me from last week, uh, Jeremy. And Jeremy is our newest chaplain. He's been there five and a half months. And in that five and a half months, we were talking about it last week, some of the things that he's learned. Uh, Is the mission different than what you originally thought it was, or is it pretty much what you thought it was? But So what is your perspective on that? Oh, um, thanks for having me back. Uh, (laughs) My (laughs) boss is asking me what I think of the mission. (laughs) This is, um, uh, it's... um, a lot of it was on me. A lot of it was just settling in. A lot of it was just getting to know the the, the staff, those you're co-laboring um, in the gospel with there, and just building those relationships and friendships. And um, so it is what it is. And uh, I'm just more settled in now. And, um, and I'm sure Pastor Lane could tell you I'd Definitely, um, I'm not shy. I uh, <laughs> I speak up, and um, uh, we. Uh, what I have learned is that the staff desires the gospel to take root and change and transform lives. There, we all have that in common, um, and then we both we we all work together on how that really plays out. But uh, and that's what we've been fleshing out over the last few months. But. So let me ask you this. If you had the opportunity to escape, would you? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, You're stuck with me. I I couldn't imagine a better um, gift, uh, better platform to um, uh, practice out the the talents and gifts that God's given me and and the heart he's given me for the the people. it's where I was hoping and, and knew I uh, was called to the type of environment and uh, is when I was hoping to land in one day. And uh, the Lord uh, hit fast forward on that and got me at the Union Gospel Mission. And I'm, I'm stuck. You're stuck with me. Well, I'm glad we're stuck with you. <laughs> you know, uh, I attribute good leadership to being able to hire people smarter than you are. <laughs> I don't know if that's really good leadership, but uh, that's how I try to function. And so I want to be surrounded by people who have the heart for the ministry of Jesus Christ, but also have the biblical knowledge to put that into practice. Whether it is, it is you know, you're counseling with individuals, whether it's, it's taking the Bible and presenting it in a cogent way that people can understand what it means. And so to do that, yes, God is the only one that can direct your path to be where he wants you to be. And yes, those he sends, he will equip. But there has to be a synergism on our part to want to have the knowledge and to seek that knowledge and to read our Bibles and to read them not just on a superficial level, but try to really truthfully understand what the Lord is trying to tell us to do. And it's only then that we are able to help people. Is that not true, Jeremy? Yeah, a- amen. Um, 
Yeah, and I'm thinking about, um, you know, uh, we are a mission, and um, I took a class in missiology, which is just the study of missions. And um, Oh, it's not the study of messy things? <laughs> not messy things, <laughs> which missions can be. But um, Oh, man. Yeah, they, they talk about uh, learning a lot about the culture that, that you yep. feel called to go be a part of and bring yep. the gospel into. Um, you learn the culture, you learn the walk, you learn the talk. You, um, uh, I think of some great missionaries like Hudson Taylor, a missionary to China, yeah. uh, who oh, dress yeah. like them, learn the Chinese language, um, to just really immerse himself in the culture. And uh, the word um, contextualize uh, without compromise. So um, bringing the gospel in a way with a language that the people you're trying to reach can understand Yep. Without compromising the essentials and and uh, um, of the gospel, but but speaking it in a language, uh, so we we do that. We we um, come together as a staff and and try to find out how we can communicate the gospel in a united way, in a one voice, without compromising it to the people we're a mission to, um, in a way that they can understand it as clearly as possible to to where they know that they're not rejecting Pastor Lane or Jeremy, but they're they're rejecting God if they uh, say no. And they clearly know what they're buying into if they uh, receive it. Yeah, we don't want any ambiguity about the presentation of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. We right. don't want people to be confused about what that is. What You know, if if you have been sold the bill of goods that if you come to Christ, every, the sun's going to come up and Clouds are going to move away. You're going to have lots of money, and you're just nothing ever bad is going to happen. Then you have bought into a gospel that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. You know, the Bible has told us that in this world there will be trouble, and we are going to be in that trouble. And God has never said that you will not have trouble, He guaranteed it. But He also said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. And that everything that happens to us may not be good, but it works together for good for those that love God, right, and are called by him. And so to Jeremy's point, we we have to be that representative and we need to have a clarity of message and we need to be have a, a unity in that message. As we talked about the other day in a meeting that we had, that in Ephesians 4, we need to follow those guidelines because and and Philippians two talks us talks to us about the unity that we need to have. And unity doesn't mean and conformity doesn't mean that we walk and talk and we're little robots and we all say exactly the same thing. We all dress alike. Well, mm. Jeremy and I are dressed alike today, <laughs> but but that's different. Right. So that's not what that means. It, it means the unity of the Spirit of God that we can all understand what God is clearly revealed to us, correct? Mm -hmm. and, and then with our men and with our staff and with everybody, you know what? The lame man was laying at the pool of Bethesda, and the lame man had laid there for 37 years. Was it 37? Anyway, he'd mm -hmm. laid there a long time. And I, I always found it curious, and I completely understand it, but I love the way that Jesus uh, came to him. 
And he said, well, you know, I've laid here all these years, and I'm paraphrasing, and I have no man to put me in the water when the angel stirs it. And we know that that they weren't getting healed because the angel was stirring the water. Mm-hmm. But here's what I'm getting around to. Jesus is looking at him, and he asks him a curious question. I mean, you know, if I'm blind and I want to see, I want to see, right? If I'm lame for 30 or 40 years, uh, obviously I want to be healed, right? Mm. But it's not as obvious as you think it is. And so Jesus said to him, do you want to be healed? And that seems like a superfluous question. What do you mean, do I want to be healed? Sometimes our illness, our sickness becomes our identity. Yeah. And then we're afraid to be healed because then, I mean, for all these years, he was begging on the street. He was, he was you know, people pitied him. Some rejected him, but he's laying on his mat. He, he That has been his identity for decades, right? And now... Jesus comes along and asks a question. Do you want to be healed? Because here's your life is going to change. Mm-hmm. You're, one, going to have to go work for a living because nobody's going to feel sorry for a guy that could walk around normally. Right. And, two, uh, you, you can't just laze around. And, three, you are not any longer the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. Mm. And so the question is true. Do you want to be healed? Yeah. How do you see that translated into men uh, that are coming off of drugs or alcohol? Yeah, that's a great question. I, would, I was thinking when you're talking about uh, all the consequences from their lives they bring with them when we get them. Mm-hmm. So their rap sheet doesn't magically disappear. Um, uh, their their family doesn't jump for joy the the first day they they say <laughs> they're they're well and saved mm-hmm. um, and so there's the things don't magically just start happening uh, but what what I, what we get to do with guys there is to walk them into these uh, circumstances with the consequences from their past and teach them how God wants to meet them there. Mm-hmm. Um, not how God wants to save them out of that, but how he wants to transform them through that. And so that's the cool work of the gospel that gets applied to their life. They do have to work, and they are not going to get a get-out-of-consequence-free uh, <laughs> card, you know? Like, their employer is going to hold them to the same standard that they hold everyone else to. Uh, there's a common temptation to roll out the carpet for uh, people um, when they make this choice. And yeah, that's a prodigal son sort of uh, reception. Slaughter the fattened calf. Let's celebrate together. You've received the Lord. But that's not how everyone's going to receive you in this world. And now you need to go into the world um, and apply the gospel with those consequences holding over your uh, head a little bit, and so to see to see that play out. That's how I see that playing out. Well, you know, we're in that story. There's only really three people that we see, and one of them held it against him. Right. right? His brother didn't say, "Oh yeah, Dad, you're right." Yeah. You know. <laughs> right. Huh? He 
just took off, and uh, he's lived this riotous lifestyle, and mm. he spent it on women and gambling and all that kind of stuff. And I stayed here working every day. Oh, boy, I'm so glad he's back. Right. I've done everything right. <laughs> and you yeah. kill the fatted calf. You never have done that for myself and my yeah. friends. And that's probably the reception these guys will get in the world. Mm-hmm. You've in done everything cases? wrong. Why would I be nice to you now? And and that's um, and that's where their relationship with Jesus really comes in to be their great needs to be their greatest identity. They they are not uh, who they were. They they are not the the um, their greatest identity. It's usually an identity battle that we're facing with them. Um, they. They, they want to be dad. They, they want to be yep. uh, whatever their job is. Um, but really, uh, their identity needs to be in Christ. It does. And, you know, uh, we don't we don't use that term. You know, I, I'm I'm John. I'm an alcoholic, because right. if you're in Christ Jesus, you're a new creation. The old is past. The new has come. And, and our identity can't be in our addiction. Our identity has to be in our Christ, in mm-hmm. our God. And to your point, uh, and as I was alluding to earlier, when you come out of an addiction and you come into the light of Jesus Christ, and by the way, there always has to be that put on and put off. There always, you know, nature in itself abhors a vacuum. You can't suck the air out of a out of a can and then pop a hole in it and not get something to replace it. Mm. Um, I did air conditioning for many years uh, commercially, and when you evacuate a system and get it to a negative pressure, you then need to put the fresh, clean refrigerant in there or air is going to come in with all its impurities. And so they can't just stop drinking. They have to be in their word. They have to be on their knees. Christ is filling them day by day. However, how many of them have come to me and said, Pastor, my family has is just not buying it. They are still not, I, I, can't, I can't get restoration with them. And I've asked many of them, how many times have you come to them with the idea that you are now sober? Well, yeah, I've been on several programs and stuff. Okay, so it's it's the old uh, adage about the boy who cried wolf. Well, in reverse, they're not crying wolf; they're they're crying recovered, and they're crying redeemed. And yet, their family needs to see that put into practice and action. And sometimes, for their family to embrace them is not going to take a day, a week, a month, or maybe even a year or two. They need to see a consistent walk with Christ away from all the things that they have done in the past. Mm. And so they can't just come to Christ and expect, like you said, everybody's going to shower them with flowers. Yeah. Yeah, and so that who they are in Christ needs to be um, their greatest motive and their greatest identity. That's you right. also see people we get um, who identify themselves as their how do I say this rightly their their uh, their their diagnosis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. They are this disorder, um, and uh, so so we need to walk them through that uh, carefully and um, and and biblically. Yeah, because you have a disorder. 
Mm-hmm. You are not that disorder. Right. Again, it all reflects back on our identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so they need to have a right view of who God is. They have to have their, that identity replaced. Now, does that mean also, Jeremy? <laughs> yes. Obviously, when you come to Christ, uh, then then along with all your health problems that disappear. Right. Tem- temptation all disappears too, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you just are equipped to, to battle through that. Uh-huh. You know, um, even uh, things like depression, mm-hmm. um, things like anger, mm-hmm. um, these can be uh, people's uh, uh, supreme identity and, and how they see themselves as I am Jeremy, I'm depressed. Um, I am Jeremy, I am angry. And, um, and really, the, uh, the, those don't go away immediately, um, but you see— And they can return. Yeah, there's characters, and there's uh, a living Bible to help you battle through that. There's uh, examples in Scripture on, on, on how to deal with those feelings that people are experiencing. There's Jer- nothing new under the sun. And Jeremy didn't mean the living Bible. He meant that oh. <laughs> the Bible is a living, you know, right. the Word of God is living and it's strong and it's sharper than a two-edged sword, right? Correct. It, it cleaves bone from marrow. And, you know, if you think about that, how could you ever get all the marrow out of bone? Right. You know, because there's little ripples in there. But something that that is an example of what the Bible can truly do. Yeah. Uh, the Word of God and and... Uh, so, listen, all of us, well, I don't know about all of us. I think most of us at some time have had uh, the blues, right? They get depressed about something. Spurgeon had that problem. Correct, yeah. And uh, and obviously when my wife passed, I certainly was depressed about that. Mm-hmm. However, I wasn't depressed in the clinical sense of hopelessness. I was sad and I even had to tell uh, the hospital. The hospital called me because I was home. Uh, I was recovering from COVID, and they they said, "Do you need us to send a psychologist out to talk to you?" And I said, "No." I said, first of all, I'm surrounded by pastors that I know, and the other part of that is I am comforted by Christ, and in addition to all that, I'm not depressed. I'm sad. I lost my wife after 47 years. I was sad. Yeah. I still become sad sometimes yeah. in the loneliness of night. But in my heart and my mind, I see a great difference between what they call depression mm-hmm. and sadness. Yeah, Jesus wept. Oh, uh, he, John eleven thirty five. He wept with Mary and Martha he, when, when he saw their, their uh, pain over losing Lazarus, their brother. He wept with them. Uh, just a real quick, um, Psalm 42, uh, the psalmist, is he describes himself as um, being downcast. Mm-hmm. His tears are his food day and night, mm-hmm. and he's preaching to his soul. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? And then he says, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. 
Amen. And so it's a real human experience to yep. be sad and, and feel down sometimes. Uh, there's a proverb that says, um, uh, uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick. It does. And so a, a hope to, to preach to yourself, to hope in God and know that you will again praise him uh, is just an example of how we try to equip these guys with the yes. ability to yes. not feel prey and victim to their feelings or uh, be uh, stuck with these identities that um, they're told they have based on a diagnosis of symptoms, but uh, equip them with the Word of God to, um, to war with those things. I, I, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, um, when, when we look at our lives, there are sometimes uh, things that enter into our lives, they enter into their lives too. The separation of family, the loneliness of, of being rejected by other people that our guys fall into, all these things are legitimate things. It's just like I have said at every memorial service that I have ever done for somebody that the Bible doesn't tell us not to mourn. <laughs> in fact, it's the opposite. It says, do not mourn the way the world mourns, mm. who have no hope. Right. Well, in believing in Jesus Christ and being a follower, we have hope, but it doesn't mean we don't mourn. Right. And and we're also called to, to mourn with those who mourn, you know, to wrap our arms around, to feel their pain, to have empathy. Mm -hmm. There's a huge difference between the word sympathy. Oh, I feel bad for that, that poor guy. And then actually mourning for somebody because you are really feeling their pain. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we need to be those people that have such empathy that we can mourn with those who mourn. And and then the reciprocal is that we can laugh with those that laugh, and we can re celebrate with those that celebrate, in a in a good and a godly way. Of course, I mean. Yeah. But uh, and that's where our guys often are, right, Jeremy? Yeah. Yeah. Just they're looking for somebody to come alongside them in life and just uh, put their arm around them and. and yep. Walk them in. It's exactly true. My business cards say pastor on them. Uh, when I got there, they wanted me to have reverend on there. I don't like that term. <laughs> and uh, if I could put anything, I, I, well, I guess I could, but I have always liked that term we talked about earlier, under shepherd to God, mm. not, not lifted up and high and, and exalted. And the reason that I cared for pastor as opposed to reverend, I always saw this reverend thing as, as this guy who is up in the corner, he's high and lifted up, and, and you know, he's just, everybody is bowing down to him. And pastor is that guy that your eyes are filled with tears, and he's the guy with his arm around your shoulder, loving you through it, right? Yeah. And so we just got one minute, buddy. It always goes fast with you. So would you like to say <laughs> anything to the folks before we close out here? I'm just grateful for all you guys, all, all you listeners, yeah, all you yeah. supporters of the mission. I'm, I'm grateful to have a, a platform to, um, to, to minister to these guys and, and to uh, see the gospel go out every night to people on the streets. Uh, there's a lot of people 
around us, trying to meet the felt needs of people, which we do also, which are important, but we will not compromise the gospel at the Union Gospel Mission. That's and right. it's a joy uh, of mine. I'm super grateful for to have the opportunity to serve. Brother, that. me too. Uh, we'll always feed the homeless and we'll always do those things. But until we meet again, as always, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. You've been listening to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. If your heart's been touched, and you want to know more about the work of the mission, log on to UGMSAC.com, UGMSAC.com. To donate clothing, food, time, or financial help, call 916-447-3268, 916-447-3268. Thank you so much for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for Voices from the Street.